Welcome to the Cowboy Office Show, where you'll experience expert analysis and epic discussion on key pillars of the equine industry, including sports, business, hobby, and the horse lifestyle. Your co-hosts are Jody Brainerd and Brian Dykert, industry veterans with over 120 years combined living the cowboy lifestyle. The Cowboy Office Show will help you get involved, ask more questions, and create change. We'll keep riding for you as together we learn from the ride already ridden, learn to listen better to our horse, and make our industry better for all. Each weekly episode, we'll take a ride around the industry in less time than you can load the truck and trailer. Drop your email at cowboyoffice.com to receive weekly updates and never miss an episode. Settle up as we ride into today's show. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Cowboy Office show. My name is Chelsea Sutton. I will be your moderator today for your hosts, Jody Brainerd and Brian Dygert. I'm really excited to talk today in the first episode here of the Cowboy Office show about what the show is and why you guys are doing it. So thank you for having me and let me be a part. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Chels. Let's talk first. You know, I'd like to introduce you guys. You have such history and experience in the industry, both of you. And while some of it might read very similar, you have a diverse set of experiences and wisdom that you're going to bring to the table throughout this show. And I know that's going to show up in many ways and in many forms, um, both by the opinions and experiences that you share, the analysis that you give, but also the guests that you all bring to the table. So the no- some of that will naturally come over time. However, especially as an early episode, I'd love to introduce our listeners and our audience to you guys from your personal and professional background and, and begin by talking about some of your experiences that'll truly be the foundation to, I think, what your show is. So Jody, let's start with you. I have been honored to get to know you pretty pretty well over the past few years, um, and yet every time we talk, I still learn from you. You have been a licensed official for many organizations, including the NRHA, the AQHA, the APHA, the USEF. You're a professional horseman through and through, multiple-time world champion, a professional coach, professional teacher for youth and non-professionals who have had many titles themselves. You're the son of Jack Brainerd, one of the fathers of the modern stock horse industry, and he has his own bio that we could probably spend an episode on, for which we won't today, right? Um, An industry leader and service provider in many capacities, including the NRHA Judges Committee, which is, I think, probably where our introduction first began with each other. An official researcher, monitor, mentor for over 35 years in many capacities, a member of NRHA, QHA, PHA, USEF, etc. You're currently living there in Mulhall, Oklahoma, and I could keep going. Let me ask you this, Jody, to kick us off, talk to me a little bit about your background from the perspective of, you know, growing up under Jack. He was such a, a pillar and, and truly founder to much of what we know now in, as a modern horse world. Give me a little bit of background of what that was like. You know, I've, I've shared this with your father, um, and, you know, I've told some people about it. You know, growing up, things have changed so much in, you know, 40 or 50 years, right? So growing up, you know, my father's a professional horseman, and, you know, as soon as you're old enough, you went to work. I mean, it's like you get out of school, ride two-year-olds you know you get bucked off you get back on ride two-year-olds so (laughs) that's pretty much that's pretty much the learning curve but I you know in high school or even prior to that you know you 
I had a chance, had a couple of gildings, a nice little mare that I ended up maybe being, I think, second in the team tournament reigning at the Congress. You know, the youth deal was really big. So, um, you know, there was a group of us in that in that north central area. There still are. The reigning is big. And, boy, I wanted to train reigning horses so badly. And, you know, my father, you know, he calls me into his office, which didn't happen very often. You're right. I mean, it was mostly it's, I have to, uh-oh, what now? And he goes, look. And this is probably back in, I don't know, 73, maybe 1974. He said, look, reining horses are fun. He said, I've always had one, had a great deal of success on them. But he said, you're never going to make a living training reining horses. He said, youth all around horses, that's where the that's where it's at, right? And I'm like, I'm shaking my head like there's no way I'm going here. And you know what? At that time, he was right because the youth all around horses with guys like, you know, Tommy Mannion who are training those things were worth a fortune and your reiners were worth 5000 bucks, right? So... Anyway, I'd went to the Congress and, you know, which was where the futurity was. And I don't, you know, Brian, you might remember, but I, I watched Loomis show Top Sail Cody in the first go round in the old Coliseum at the Congress. And I had, there were two things that I still remember. One was expensive hobby running through the gate and stopping. And the second one was Top Sail Cody's first go round. And I just cratered. That was it. I'm going to do this no matter what the cost. And you know what? It was really expensive in the early years, but yeah, I wouldn't change it. I love that, including the that phrase right there at the end. It was really expensive in the early years. That's a whole never con- conversation that we could have because we talk about how expensive it is now. Um, but but relatively, you make a very valid point. Um, a great story to to kind of kick us off and paint a picture. Uh, what would Jack say now, you know, seeing that you've made a career out of this and, and truly built a multifaceted career out of this? You know what, my father, um, and he, you know, he just, he just passed away last year, I mean, and uh, at 100 years of age and was still, still actively doing clinic work and kept himself very involved. And I would always, just because it's the way we grew up, you know, I, I would hear secondhand from other people about how happy he was with my accomplishments. But, you know, my father would actually never come up, put his arm around you and share that kind of stuff because it just wasn't done at that time with, with a cowboy, right? I mean, you didn't, you didn't tell your kids how great they were. I mean, in, in that day, at least that's where I grew up. So I know that he appreciated it. And, uh, and I, I, uh, I love the guy to death. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I know it was great loss when we lost him. I never got to know him personally, but um, just, the reputation that he, he held and the, the way that he paid for all of us. And, and in many ways, as are you, I think you have done a phenomenal job, both of you, which is why I'm honored to be on this, this show in paving the way for the future of not only the reigning world, but the working Western world. Um, your sure. dad did it in his day and he might not have seen it in the way that you guys did, but you did it for us, Jody. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Brian, let me, let me come to you. Um, for those of you guys that might be tuning in, Brian also happens to be my father, so I get to know a little bit more about his background maybe than Jody's at an intimate level. Um, licensed official across many organizations, FEI, USEF, NRHA, APHA, AQHA, professional horseman from 85 to 2007, which I'd love to come back to here in a second, professional in event and venue management, including developing the and managing the Bob Martin Eastern Agricultural Center in Eastern North Carolina, and most recently, Westworld of Scottsdale here in Arizona. An industry leader truly in many facets, including NRHA president back in 2002, 
been an official researcher, monitor, and mentor for over 35 years. I know you and Jody have done much work together uh, through the judges program of the NRHA, member for life, USCF, AQHA, NRHA, of course, ongoing member of the APHA, NCHA, NRCHA, Hall of Fame in the League of Agricultural and Equine Centers, resides now here in Cave Creek, Arizona. Let me ask you, again, growing up with you, I, I got to see this firsthand, but I'm curious, you made two major professional steps. One, coming out of college and going into becoming a professional horseman, and then a second when you left training professionally and went into the venue side of the world. Talk to me about why you made those. Those are major uh, career changes. Yes, they were. Um, and, and they're simple. And my father, like jo- Jody and I, are almost the same age. So when you talk about generational eras and cultures, um, my father was a veterinarian. Um, and his father was a horseman. He, he trained standard breads and his love was horses. So, um, when I'm getting ready to go into graduate school and the uh, rain and fraternity is now going to guarantee the next year, a hundred thousand to win it. And that particular year, Rick Weaver as an assistant trainer wins the fraternity and the next year, a hundred thousand guaranteed Craig Johnson wins the fraternity. Um, we're all of that era um i'm single i have a dog and i'm sitting around trying to figure some stuff out and my father told me the same thing jody did just in different words which was you're not going to make a living training reining horses so um and the point of the story was if i was going to try it that was the time to try it because it was just me and my dog and you know why not try it now and it looked like there might have been an economic way that a guy could at least, ha- you know, you weren't going to die rich, but you could at least pay your bills. That was a that was that pivotal point. Then beam forward, you know, twelve plus years later, fifteen years later, I'm on my own. I'm doing a business analysis. I have two little kids, um, and I truly am analyzing a business um, and training reining horses, which is where my love was for the same reason Jody had. I grew up on the youth team, New York Congress, all that kind of stuff with the youth team. That's, that's what brought us up through. Um, and those aren't there anymore. So that change, I do a business analysis and move into the management side of our industry because my wife and I had a side business, which was managing and producing horse shows. And so that led to high-level venue development and business. Um, and it was business and family. That's why I made that choice. So that's all. And it's been a very fascinating ride because when you talk about the Bob Martin Ag Center in North Carolina, that was a luxury I got to do because I got to build it and grow it from zero, which and all the forces said it will fail. And that was a great one because – if it's supposed to fail and it doesn't, you do nothing but win. And coming to Westworld was a whole different piece because Westworld was already existing. I'd, I'd judged there. It was the coldest I'd ever been in my life and the hottest at the same venue, just not at the same time. I've told that story. And so, you know, and a lot of guys that came down here in the wintertime to compete, um, that open air, you've never been that cold. And we 
grew up in western New York and Jody in Wisconsin, so we knew what cold was. Right. But you get in the desert in the shade on a February day and it's 45 degrees, you will think you're in the North Pole. So um, anyways, developing Westworld into what it is now is what brought us here. So that's been a very interesting um fun journey as well but uh it's different work in the horse world on a different level which is all about show production well and for context when you talk about senator bob martin eastern ag center in williamston you said zero but that meaning that facility didn't exist you got to help develop the architecture for it and physically attract the events to it versus westworld that was already existing and i also think and this is where i'm just so excited to hear you and jody as we explore this show in future episodes but not only are you talking about the difference of a venue coming from nothing to something versus an already existing venue but you now talk about the modern era of the horse world disciplines becoming so specialized and specific and the needs of a facility to serve that looked different by the time you got to Westworld and even in the last 10 years than it might have 15 or 20 years ago in venue management so how how the industry has grown and evolved has happened quickly in many of those regards. True, and I want to give you one piece because I'm going to tell you, the foundation that was laid to me by the horses and learning horse training has held true through my career the entire time because just like finding a prospect, being able to find a prospect that truly has a potential is different than taking any given prospect and making it better. And so those are very different functions. And so you got that takes skill and knowledge and mentoring and leadership and all of those things. And that, that's, that's where some of my colleagues like Jody far excelled mine because I didn't have those kinds of things. But they were all applicable because those skills um, and forces as you went through the horse training process in the horse world transferred to the rest of the world in my career hundred percent because finding staff, leading staff, hiring staff, implements, equipment, the business analysis. It doesn't matter that it's, you know, hay and grain for horses, but when you got to feed half a million people in a year's time, you got the same supply line. So all of those are applicable. It was, it's been fun. That's very interesting. Jody, um, I'd love to ask you to, before we dive in, to the next question, which is going to be all about what is the cowboy office? You have many aspects to your career as well. However, in my experience with you here in the last 10, 15 years, you have navigated the professional horseman coach channel as well as truly being a high level official. Um, uniquely in a way that I think many others haven't. Can you talk to us a little bit about when you decided or maybe why you decided to add officiating into your career? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I think that, I think that as, as I grew up and uh, the higher and higher level of competition that I got into and, you know, everybody in business, you always try to, I think niche fill is a, is a, is a 
good phrase for people that train. I mean, there you have non-pro coaches, you have guys that, you know, strictly do major event work and they don't want to mess with a non-pro rider because it gets in their way. And, you know, you have guys that, uh, you know, the Charlie Smiths that are coaches that will take a rookie rider to go win a world championship. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of wanted to be diverse because I, I wanted to keep my numbers low. And when you compete, and, you know, your father can, you know, Brian can, he can attest to this too. You know, there was a time, there was a time when we were young guys and you're trying to go show in the open because that was all there was, was an open and an on pro and you didn't have different levels of competition. And, you know, you go show in a, a thousand, which was huge money at that time. And a $2,000 trophy reigning was huge. And there'd be 15 open horses and, and, it, you know, you could do a pretty darn good job of showing, and it didn't make any difference. You're a kid, you're 18 years old, Bill Horn's going to beat you whether he did or not. I mean, that's just the way the officiating was at that time. It's like, you ain't paid your dues, kid. Ain't going to happen. And I think that at that time, you're thinking that, you know what, if if there's going to be a way to improve the officiating, you better get involved in it. And, you know, I made that decision and that was something that I did. I, and I have absolutely zero regrets. So, you know, Rick Weaver was instrumental in getting me involved in that thing. I mean, and that guy, Rick is super sharp and it's been a good friend for years and years. And he's, he's basically went and said, Hey, you know, don't bitch about it. You want to change it? Come on. So, Beautiful. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's where that came from. And here we are 35 plus years later. So um, I'll toss that question to you, Brian, as well, before we dive in. Well, the officiating I got because of college, when I was doing my undergraduate work, I did it at NC State at the ag school. And so they had a livestock team. And so you did all the normal livestock. Horses were just coming online at NC State. So the horse judging was infantile in its timing at nc state unlike oklahoma or some of the you know finley and ohio state and texas a&m i can go down some of those longer colorado state etc they had long-standing equine and beef programs i'm on the east coast um but it was the it was the livestock judging in undergraduate school that got my interest in and it's just like what Jody talks about as far as being involved but two things when I was a competitor all I wanted from the officiating was give me your attention and the best shot you got because I'm going to try and do my good work and that's what I wanted as a competitor officiating represented to me which is why I did venue management because I knew what the other side of the equation wanted so as an official I tried to be involved as an official to give the competitor the best shot that I had to give them. And that's why I did the venue development and management because as a horse show manager producer, I needed venue management to work with me, not against me. So when I had the opportunity to go into the venue side, I could begin to bring change to the industry because understanding show managers role was easy for me so same thing with officiating i love it let's dive into what this show is there's a tagline that you guys have been using expert analysis and epic discussion 
we all understand what that means in linguistics, but I would love from both of your perspectives, Jody, maybe we'll start with you. When we think about the topics that the show is going to explore, talk to me a little bit about, you know, explain in your own words what epic analysis, excuse me, epic discussion and expert analysis is going to mean and involve. What can we expect from it? Well, I think, you know, you, you touched on it earlier, you know, both your father and I have such diverse backgrounds and we've we've had so many years in the horse business itself and not just the reigning horse business, but, you know, with the with the major event venues and the judging and the showing and the teaching and the coaching, you know, we we can talk about lots and lots of things. And I think that I think that this when when your father approached me with the idea of this show, I got so excited about it because I think what you want to do or one of the biggest things that I want to do is to provoke thought. I mean, we want to have people think about the industry, different aspects of it. We're going to cover all of it. And I think that, and, you know, with no bias, which I think is is something that is of major importance too, because, you know, no matter what happens in the horse business, you know, you, you, you're going to get some people that aren't maybe going to give you what they're fully thinking about it because they're maybe worried about what somebody else is going to think. And, you know, with the two of us, we're going to bring some people in here that are going to help us. And, uh, you know, that are maybe even a more of an expert in, in the area than we are. And we want that to be open thought provoking. And I think it's, it will be so good for this, this industry as a whole that, uh, I, I'm way excited about it, but that expert analysis and that, you know, that's, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to offer. Did pretty good with that. Good luck. Your perspective, Brian. Uh, well, the, in order to get, I'm going to take us back just to touch and use an analogy because in order to get the expert information, when Jody and I were coming up, it was in a handful, maybe a dozen people's presence. It was in their head. There was no place. You couldn't go to school. You couldn't open a book. You couldn't. You had to go do the hard work, and you had to spend the time. You know, Jody had the luxury of growing up as a Jackson, whether it's pro or con, but the rest of us didn't. So we weren't getting those soft, whatever that message is, whatever that info is. And so that's when I, I could tell a, I could write a book on this the day I called my father and told him I was not going to graduate school and I was going to go work for a rain and horse trainer. It was one of those, you know, the phone goes way out here. Um, and so, and the point of the story is simple because you had to go get that info and the info was in a, hand, a dozen people had it because that's all there was. So what was being figured out in the industry and the way that stuff goes when you talk about the rest of it, because where did all these disciplines come from? They all came from the mother breed organizations in some form. You know, the old AHSA, the American Horse Show Association, you don't even know what that is. That was transformed in the United States Equestrian Federation. Same thing. But even in the AHSA days, which was when we were young, they had stock horse classes. So stock horse breeds were in there. That was the horse show world. And then you had breeds start to come out of there, and then out of the breeds come disciplines. And so um, it, it, it's just a fascinating kind of scenario. What this is all about is about being able to bring experts on a continual basis in a new format to more people. 
because they don't have to just go to work and do the grunt work in order to one, be stimulated to learn and then three, go try. You don't have to do it the way we did it. One of the things that I appreciate anytime I'm with you guys collectively or individually is that whether it's historical information or new ways of thinking about things, that's something both of you do very well at. And I remember growing up, you used to tell a story working under Dick Peeper about how you would always ask one question every day, one new question. Yes, and it was probably stimulated because my father had told me that I had lost my mind because I'd just come out of undergraduate school, was not going to go to graduate school, and I was going to be a horse trainer. And he said, I truly lost my mind. And so I was stimulated to because I went to work for Dick. And, and again, you're talking about there might have been 10, 11 guys that are doing this stuff, and so you had to go to work for them. And then there's this big thing because the the main guys that the top 10 or top 15 list would generally hire females first not males and it's because and I was always curious about that never fully understood it and one of my first questions after getting my job was why and it's because those guys weren't going to build young professionals that weren't by the time those guys put the work into a young guy to be productive those young guys would leave and go on their own. The girls would stay longer. The men would leave earlier. So if they were going to teach you and give you a career and all that, so it was just a cultural function. So I was stimulated when I went to work for Dick. One, he had a phenomenal communication sense. So he was a great teacher. While there were a long list of great trainers and Rick Weaver and I, we've sat around talking about this, but if you ever hear Rick talk about he worked for Bill Horn for years and it was through osmosis, you had to watch and then you had to figure it out because Bill was a phenomenal horseman, but he wasn't so good at taking what he was capable of doing and vocalizing it. Peepers had the biomechanics and it could communicate it extremely well. So when I got the opportunity, I went to work for Peeps. We ended up at Willowbrook, which was another great piece. But I was stimulated every day. I would ask him one question. The entire time I worked for him, every day, and I know I used to do nothing but aggravate him because it was like, oh, God, here he comes again. So because every day I was going to ask him at least one question, I would go to bed thinking about what's my question for tomorrow. So that's what I did, which I was there to learn. That's what I did. For sure. One of the things that you know, just as we've all been talking about this show and what you guys want to discuss on it, there's a few topics that I want to just read off for the audience. Industry, such as governance and organization, business versus hobby, how can they exist in the same industry, sports, competition, having multiple components, officials, market activity, how do we serve all consumers of this industry, and then you guys wrote this, can it be done better? And and Jody, you know, you mentioned thought-provoking and um, you guys have said new forum. When you think about how much you guys have had to learn in your years of experience, and we now exist in a time that evolution is happening faster than ever within our industry, how do you see this show um, both sharing some epic discussions 
but also, you know, probing some thought in terms of can it be done better? I mean, when you guys write that down and you say that, can it be done better? What is that? What What are your thoughts around that? What do you mean? Jody? Well, if, if it, can it be done better? Of course it can. I mean, we're, you know, we're changing so fast. I mean, you can take a look at, uh, if you can go find an old VHS of the Futurity winner 20 years ago and look at uh, look at a, a present Futurity winner, you'll you'll see where where the the horse breeding itself has come. You know, and at that time 20 years ago, we thought, holy mackerel, they can't get any better than this. And all of a sudden, now we look here, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like it's unbelievable. But I think I think part of the the key to anything is that that you know so much of the time you get you only get one side of what someone thinks that this business should be like and i think the the thing that we can do is that we can show we can show multiple multiple facets of this of this business we can say you know what here's where it was here's where it is here's where it can go and I, I think that it's important that you know we're going to have a lot of people that are going to watch this show that are going to going to have tremendous educations uh, in the horse business itself. And we're going to have some people that are going to turn this on and go, wow, this is cool, but not know anything. And I think that's the, the diverse group that we can reach and uh, we can give new perspective to. I don't know if I can say it any better than that. That's about as good as it gets. You can expand on all of that, but he's, he's hundred percent correct. And so that, that, yeah, that's what we're setting out to do. The, can it do better? Um, that answer is always yes. And I, I could take our entire, you know, you could go into the stock horse, into the quarter horse industry. It started in the forties. Quarter horse registry has only been around since the forties. Um, and, and waltz right across it and find very chronological steps, you know, where the breeding and the quality of the quarter horse, because that's the stock horse. Now you even have the crossbreeds between quarter horses and thoroughbreds, and you got hunters and jumpers and dressage horses competing against the warm bloods. I did an Olympic um, pas de deux with Lyndon Gray that was on a Connemara pony that that was completely contrary to all of dressage. So all of those are very fascinating kinds of steps when you watch the entire industry and I, I, I think he's nailed it. So I'm, I'm happy to go elsewhere, but I don't think I need to. Well, let me pose another question to you guys. Why? Right? I mean, you guys have plenty to work on, plenty to do. Um, and I'll use a phrase that you guys have already used and I, I know this is a foundation to it. And so we can use this to kind of catapult from when you guys were up and coming, you had 12 guys that it was in their heads. Right. And I know that part of this is about it, not just being in your heads and giving, giving the rest of the audience something that they can then do with, but on, in the grander sense, you know, this, this takes time. There's a lot of production here. You know, there's a lot of equipment. There's a lot of experience. There's a lot of lessons learned. You guys are going to have to be honest about some of your own failures in order to communicate well with the audience. Why take the time and energy to put that in recorded format and then give that to our industry or, or those that don't even maybe know about our industry? Jody, you make a great point. There's many that are going to maybe listen to this, this or watch this that say, wow, I didn't, I didn't know about any of that. Brian, take this first. Yep. I, I, and I'd love to. Here's the simple answer. 
7.2 million horses currently in the country. There are about 4 million people directly active. And according to the American Horse Council, about 30% of American households have horse interest. Well, 30% of 300 million is pushing what? 75 to 100 million? I, we can dance around all you want. If 30% of the American households have horse interest, one, they don't know where it is, and two, they don't have a clue how to even start. And we're going to pick the whole industry apart, but the why is to, it's too easy in today's time. Communication is the single most advanced format in Jody in my lifetime. You know, because we came through it our way does not mean the next generation has to. It should be easier. That's being a parent. We always try to make life better for our offspring. And so, so we've got to change our industry. I would also tell you as significant as the horse industry is and the horse show industry is, we're st and as much as we've moved, we're still significantly behind the time. When you compare it to other sports and sports, not only domestic but international, look at the, the FIFA, the, the soccer is opening today, and they're talking about 5 billion people will be our fans, will be watching the sport of soccer, and there are now... 8 billion people on the planet. Whoever was 8 billion just was born last week. Right. So those are things that stimulate me, which is why, you know, all this lifetime with Jody, but we're now in this final chapter of our own careers and lives. So how do we keep doing what we love to do, but, but make it better? Um, and that was the early conversation with Jody you know, we've been doing some analysis on competition. We're going to keep doing that. But it's how can you take two older, witty kind of dudes um, and, and, and do things different and better for more. Jody, anything you want to add there? Uh, you know, Chelsea, I would just say, you know, you shared something with Jim Kaiser and your, your dad and I the other day, and, you know, about, uh, about your business education and, you said something that was that's applicable here and it's solve problems we're going to solve some problems you know i mean there's and it's you know it may seem like it's it's oversimplifying but when people have questions and something's not working for them they're going to find some answers here what i also appreciate is that you guys aren't just throwing stones at the glass house, you're willing to be a part of the conversation and, and help find those solutions. Well, yes, but like in all problems, first you got to identify that you have a problem and you got to be clear on the fact that you have one. Then you got to solve the problem. Um, two, and that's why I would say our industry is, while it's been moving fast, it's still significantly lagging behind. I use the soccer, but I could give you plenty of those. And we're still significantly behind. And and even though we are tr thinking that we're moving um, as a valuable industry that is good for people and great for horses, we should be so much farther than we are. And Jody's 100% correct because you're going to get the honest, straight info from this show, continual. We may not have the answer, but we're going to certainly pose the question and look at possible solutions. Um, we don't have control of who's making those, but I will tell you, we, kind of like the American, you can call me egotistical if you want, but we the people actually have control in America. That's one of the things that's made this young country as great as it is. Well, 
all of our organizations are membership based and so they belong to us the members and so we've got to be better members to um one deal with change but to move change in the direction that the whole needs it to go i think that's very insightful i had the honor and privilege last year to be a an author in a compiled book um, similar to the one that you just released Brian it's on the website it is on the website um, and my chapter my contribution to the book the book was called um, Silver Sisters it was all about wisdom and my contribution being the youngest contributor of the book I felt intimidated to begin with to contribute because you know you get in your head about how young you are and how how much so many others know about you and so I wrote about my pursuit to wisdom because I didn't quite feel authoritative enough to actually say that I had any. And I didn't know when I went to write that what the writing was going to come. I just knew I needed to pursue it. And what I ended up writing about was that asking questions has been my tool to gain wisdom, especially as, as someone so young in an industry whether that's this industry or the business industry um, that's obviously been around much longer than I have. And as I wrote my contribution to the book, what I actually realized was that when I had the most to learn, when there were opportunities to gain the most wisdom, when I look back at those situations, the issue was that I was asking the wrong question. And it took me, you know, working through that and wrestling with that, um, asking others being faced with, I'll never forget the day when you looked at me and you said it straight on. You were asking, asking the wrong, wrong question. question. And it was actually about, do you remember it? It was about the horses and the horse show world and the competition. Mm -hmm. You came home from announcing a show and you had a judging question. And it was, it was a common great question, but the answer was you're asking the wrong question. So that's why you were struggling with finding to make sense of it. Correct. Because you were looking at it the wrong way. Well, that happens. So anyways, you got to ask the right question. I think that is truly the maybe most iconic potential of this show, the Cowboy Office show, is that you have two cowboys with diverse sets of experience who are here to help move the industry forward and grow it forward to solve problems, right? while also recognizing that sometimes we've got to actually explore the, the right question because sometimes just sitting around the dinner table or just being at a horse show or just, you know, doing our own thing, riding our own horses, doing whatever that is, we can sometimes get ourselves stuck and we're asking the wrong questions. We're trying to solve the wrong problems. And so the true, you know, 30% of American households interested in horses, what a huge potential, right? What a huge uh, occasion for that's us a, all to rise that's to. a market that's wanting to and they one they don't know where it is and then two they don't know how and we keep telling them the wrong message no it's not too expensive and what do you mean a professional non-professional it makes no sense so it, and what's the difference between a non-professional and an amateur basically nothing so i mean we can go down and that's what we're going to do at the show so i i just give you some of those analogies jody what do you think are you know just just list a few. Brian obviously just did. What do you think are a few of the, you know, fun topics, maybe most important topics that this show will explore in the in the coming weeks? Oh, you know, it's 
it's really limitless. We were, you know, we were sharing, you know, potential guests that we want to bring onto the show. And we have such a diverse group of people. It's, I mean, it's so much fun. We can, we can touch on the racehorse business. We can go to rodeo, you know, we can go to show horses. We can, uh, we can, it's limitless what we can do here. We've, you know, the Jimmy Kaiser thing with, we can talk about ground. We can talk about judging. It's just, I mean, the topics will not cease. And I, I think if I look back when I was maybe 18 or 19 years old, trying to figure out which bill I was going to pay first, because I didn't have enough money to pay them all, right? It's either the feed or the shavings, right? So because, you know, business was so hard to gather. If I would, it's the feed. Yeah, exactly. If I would have the chance to be able to turn this on at that age and look at it, I, I, I mean, I, I, I have no, I can't even explain how valuable it would be to me. And I think that, I think that no matter what, if you're looking for a solution to a potential problem, you're going to have more than one way to look at it, especially on this show. We're not going to say, oh, this is the way to do it. You know, like you said, you maybe weren't asking the right question. We, may have, we might ask five questions and give you five different answers or have someone else help us give five different answers. You're going to be able to, you're going to be able to find which one's maybe going to suit your perspective the best. And I just, I just can't tell you how much fun I think that it's going to be. That's great. I think for this one, we're right where we need to be. We what are. do you guys think? We have answered the questions. We have exposed it. We look forward to it. Um, cowboyoffice.com. That is the home website to the entire show. Um, yes, uh, I did. You know, hopefully I'm going to be able to get Jody to be an author too in short time. I've always threatened myself, but, uh, um, the book, which is a series to the one you were making reference to, um, golden wisdom, love, uh, love legends and legacy. Mine is chapter six. And so it just came out a week or two ago, but cowboyoffice.com is where the audience can continue to get, um, one auto information and more information as the show continues on, um, including communicating with us. We, Jody and I want our emails are on there. We want to hear from, um, the audience. We want to bring the audience what they want. Um, we'll find it. We will develop the topics. We will keep it organized. We will find experts from diverse viewpoints. This is not about any one view. This is about all of the view. The more we can do that, the better we're going to all be. Well, and people can also find you on all social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, which I think is going to be really fun for you guys. Yeah, that's a cultural one. They're all beaten. They're talking about that at the federal level because they want to shut it off. So while it's there, we're going to do what the community and the populace are needing it to do. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. We got 30% of the American public to reach plus. Yes, Mm -hmm. that is correct. Got it. Um, Okay, so... Thank you guys for sharing a little bit of, of your heart and your vision. I know in the upcoming episode, we are going to talk more about the sta- status of the industry, mm-hmm. right? Where, where we're at currently, where we've come from, where we are headed from you guys' perspective. So stay tuned. Stay with us. It's going to be a great ride. Saddle up. Yep. Ride along. Cowboyoffice.com. And our goal is to produce one show a week. Watch about hump day, cowboyoffice.com. Thank you.
Today's episode is brought to you by 40 Productions in cooperation with the Consultment Agency, a full-service agency that helps bring forward-thinking equine brands into the 21st century using digital skills and services such as website development, graphic design, social media, and media production such as the podcast you're consuming here today. Thank you so much for riding along with us today. Sign up at cowboyoffice.com to be the first to know about topics affecting the industry we love so much. You can reach out to us with topics you care about by finding us on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. And remember, share this episode with someone that may enjoy it, because the more we can share our horses with others, the better our world will be.